When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome back to Real Vision Crypto Daily Briefing. Here's why you should tune in to today's show. We're covering breaking news, the bombshell announcement from FTX and Binance. We have crypto pragmatist Jack Niewald and crypto tax guy Jason Schwartz to discuss. My name is Mark Oliveira. With me is Ash Bennington. What a day, Ash. I know that you just came off a train from Connecticut uh, to jump into this. That's crazy. How, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, man. The one day I, I take to renew my passport so we can go to Cayman Islands and do this Real Vision uh, conference event, this is what happens. Amazing story. Look, I've been following this on Metro North for the last hour. Just extraordinary, extraordinary day in crypto, Marco. Absolutely. Well, let's let's bring in the, the rest of the panel and let's just kick off the discussion. I mean, and take it however, however, which way it'll go. Obviously, we had this uh, tweet come out from from CZ earlier today. This afternoon, FTX asked for our help. This There's a significant liquidity crunch. To protect users, we signed a non-binding letter of intent intending to fully acquire FTX.com and help cover the liquidity crunch. We will be conducting a full DD in the coming days. I mean, what do you guys make of it? Let's start with, uh, with Jack. How, how are you thinking about this? Yeah, it's absolutely, you know, one of the wildest stories in, in crypto in the last you know, in the history of crypto, right? Um, you know, now I'm just thinking about the implications of this, you know, with FTX being, you know, a kind of US-focused product, you know, founders being based from US and all the implications of, you know, this acquisition for the consolidation of the industry. It's just, there's so many implications to be considered from this and and so much to develop in the kind of coming days and weeks that uh, that will be fascinating to follow. Yeah, absolutely. Chime in, Jason. I don't know. What was your first take on the story? Yeah, I mean, uh, my, my mind is really blown at how rapidly this story developed. Uh, I would say, obviously, there's a lot of information that is unknown still. Uh, and, and all we're getting is uh, sort of bits and pieces from, from different tweets. Uh, I will say it's you know, it, it's a really fascinating posture, in particularly uh, in particular because SBF is has been so active in the policy discussion in DC, uh, and now, you know, it might look to many people like the emperor has no clothes, and, and I do wonder how that's going to frame the discussion in DC going forward. Uh, look, this is an extraordinary story. This is like the Bear Stearns moment on blotter acid in hyperdrive. It's just an extraordinary, extraordinary story. Uh, you know, as we said, obviously we're we're taking the we're taking the field here very quickly. We're running the hurry up offense. We're working out of the out of the shotgun. We're literally just calling audibles on the field. Here, I think, is the place to start is with the tweets, which are really the source uh, of the data, the primary source that we have. Uh, Marco, you read CZ's tweet. I think uh, a fairly sort of uh, vanilla tweet uh, in terms of the content, um, it, it, it makes all of the essential points. But for me, the really interesting tweet thread here uh, actually comes from SBF rather than from CZ. I think we just read through the tweet stream 
talk about it because this is really where all the issues lie. Let's just jump in right here. Here we go. SBF. Uh, this is uh, when we get the timestamp right. 11.03 a.m. So just over an hour ago, 11.03 a.m. Eastern time. Hey, all, I have a few announcements to make. Things have come full circle and FTX's first and last investor are the same. We have come to an agreement on a strategic transaction with Binance for FTX.com, pending DD, et cetera. Boy, you know, so much to say here on this. Uh, right out of the gate, uh, full circle, obviously the first investor, uh, as Sam Bankman-Fried points out, and the last, meaning this is it, this is the acquisition, this is the moment. Um, you know, they've come to an agreement on a strategic transaction pending due diligence. First question, uh, specifically that we have a lawyer on this call, what are the possibilities here uh, that this is going to get hung up in due diligence, that there's some kind of an issue that prevents the transaction from going through? Yeah, I, I mean, it's entirely possible, right? Like, again, we, we don't have the details. Um, we all saw, uh, you know, very publicly how difficult it was uh, to, you know, close a deal between uh, Elon Musk and Twitter, right? Um, there's there's a lot that hangs in the language of whatever uh, letter of intent was drafted and signed between uh, these two entities, which we obviously haven't seen. Um, I imagine there are a lot of outs for, uh, for, you know, Binance in the event that, you know, some of the due diligence proves you know, or, or establishes that FTX isn't maybe as worth as much as Binance expected or, or what have you. Um, right. So, so you know, we'll, we'll obviously just have to wait and see and, uh, and watch. Um, but, um, but, but look, I mean, you know, typically a letter of intent is, uh, you know, it, it, what, what it means is that it, it's, you know, an, an effort to negotiate in good faith to reach a deal. So, so this is, this is huge. I mean, the, the likelihood usually is that a deal goes through in the end. Um, so let's move on to the next tweet, Jack. I'm going to pull you in in just a second here. Uh, tweet number two in the Sam Bankman Freed stream. Uh, this one shortly after uh, it looks like the first tweet, uh, 11.03. It was probably all sent simultaneously. Uh, quote, our teams are working on clearing out the withdrawal backlog as is. This will clear out liquidity crunches. All assets will be covered one-to-one. -one. This is one of the main reasons we've asked Binance to come in. It may take a bit to settle, et cetera. We apologize for that. This to me really is the whole meat of the issue right here laid bare in a single tweet. Let me just break it down, give you a little bit of context, Jack, pull you in in one second. Uh, our teams are working on clearing out the withdrawal backlog. Okay, so that's an admission that there is in fact a withdrawal backlog. This means uh, that customers have had some difficulty liquidating their positions. Uh, this is not the place you wanna be if you're an exchange uh, with customers that you're not able to meet in a timely fashion. This is a real challenge. Uh, so this will clear out the liquidity crunches. Boy, okay, here we go. Liquidity crunch. What's a liquidity crunch? A liquidity crunch uh, is essentially when you have the uh, inability to uh, either buy or sell something in a timely fashion. The challenge here, we should probably make the distinction here between liquidity and solvency. Uh, a solvency crisis is when there's a, a fundamental mismatch in the value of assets. This is kind of a quick and dirty study in it. A liquidity crisis or a liquidity crunch uh, is when you have uh, a, a, a temporal mismatch. There's a time uh, mismatch. In other words, you have enough uh, to cover a position, but you're not able to sell things quickly enough uh, and at a price that will be close to where the 
what you believe the innate value of it is. This is the challenge that's happening at FTX. If we're to take Sam, uh, Sam's tweets as being indicative of what's happening there, this is really what it's about. The inability for folks to withdraw assets because of liquidity. Uh, and then he says it, quite frankly, this is one of the main reasons we've asked Binance to come in. It may take a bit to settle. Settlement is when you uh, effectively, uh, at the end of a trade, when you match, so you go through a, an execution of a trade, you go through the clearing of the trade, which is uh, essentially making sure that all the buying and selling information lines up, and then you settle it. You switch, uh, in the case of securities, securities for cash, cash for securities, that's the settlement process. So he's saying, hey, listen, be patient. This may take some time. Uh, and then he finally says right out there, we apologize for that. So an actual apology uh, in that tweet. Jack, I mean, a huge amount of material in one tweet there. What are your thoughts? Yeah, there's definitely a couple of things to unpack here. First, it, this tweet makes it seem like their assets were at some point not backed one-to-one, -one, right? So that FTX perhaps did not have the complete coverage of all customer deposits on, on the platform. So explain, so explain what that means and, and how it relates to the liquidity issue. Yeah, absolutely. So basically what this means is if we think of FTX as a bank, it means that they didn't have all the, all the money on hand to cover uh, the, you know, probably billion plus, I think, at, at the last time I checked, that was, that was flowing out of the platform, right? So, you know, if you had a dollar in FTX, FTX didn't have your dollar on hand or their dollar was being held in some other place, lent out perhaps to, you know, Alameda, this, this uh, closely tied trading institution. This is, um, this is the FTX. It's usually described as the sister company. Uh, it's believed right. Sam Bankman-Fried has a very large position in Alameda. Uh, and, and we've seen that there, there have been questions uh, that arose from some Coindesk reporting about whether, in fact, the assets were being held, uh, for example, FTT tokens on the Alameda balance sheet, uh, and what the interrelationship, unknown, we're saying it, uh, flagging is an unknown, what the interrelationship of the assets and the balance sheets between those companies were. Right. So um, it's obviously kind of been made clear that the link between these two companies is perhaps a lot uh, closer than some might have expected, right? Because we've seen just uh, hundreds of millions of dollars of stable coins uh, being passed over to FTX in the last, you know, 48 hours. And that makes it look like there was definitely some commingling of funds there or that uh, FTX was really kind of uh, relying on Alameda for its. Uh, liquidity needs, right? right? But again, going back to that tweet, uh, it shows that there's kind of clear evidence of, uh, you know, insolvency, not just the liquidity problem, right? Because it's looking like Binance has come in to actually bail out FTX in, in terms of backing up. Uh, but is that, is user, that really an unknown? Deposits. Is that really an unknown? One of, one of the challenges with liquidity crises in general uh, is the fact that you may have an asset, you may have backing for an asset, but you hold it uh, in some other marketable security, some other risk asset. And what happens is if you have a large position of something uh, and you you need to you need to uh, unwind it, what happens is if you think about a limit order book, you've got bids and asks, right? And what winds up happening when you try and dump a very large position is you just start hitting bids and the price starts dropping. And when it becomes apparent to the market uh, that there's there's a huge amount of uh, supply that's getting dumped. Suddenly, the bids start dropping really dramatically. So we don't really know, uh, you know. And there's a, a a bit of a sort of fine line here between sometimes liquidity and solvency. But we we don't really know. We know 
what he said, which is that it was a liquidity crisis. So I guess it's an open question whether or not it was a solvency or liquidity issue and what exactly those terms of art mean. I, we should pull in Jason here on this, who I'm sure has uh, thought about some of these issues in the past. No, no, no I, I honestly don't have, I, I don't have anything to add there because, you know, I, I, all I have is some speculation that I've seen on Twitter over the past 24 hours or so. And I know that people have been trying to track down, um, you know, some, you know, FTX cold storage that that establishes solvency. And the last I saw, like no one had really been able to track that down without sort of digging into Alameda's books, right? Um, so, um, so, so I, I agree with Jack that j just based on the information we have, it appears that there may have been, at least at some point, a, a potential solvency crisis um, that they're now um, following a liquidity crunch. This is a really interesting question. Let me ask the devil's advocate question. If there was a fundamental crisis in solvency, why would uh, why would CZ want to bid those assets uh, by the company if he thought that there was a fundamental issue with solvency? Just as a, as a hypothetical question as we try to unpack this. Sure. Um, I'll take this. Uh, if we look back to FTX's uh, acquisition of BlockFi, FTX acquired BlockFi, which was a unicorn for about $15 million. So if there is kind of clear evidence of insolvency here and not just a liquidity problem, it's definitely probable that, F that uh, sorry, Binance could have picked up FTX for, you know, an incredible, incredible discount, right? And FTX has, has a pretty remarkable... Uh, market share for being such a young exchange. I imagine uh, CZ is pretty eager to pick up FTX and it's, uh, you know, all of its customers and, you know, uh, branding, right? It's US penetration. Um, all of these things are huge uh, uh, assets that, that could be picked up by Binance and potentially at an enormous, enormous discount. Well, there's yeah, almost no question at this point that it was bought at a discount, right? I mean, you're not, nobody's paying full price uh, for a, a, an exchange that's in either, in the best case, uh, a liquidity crisis, and in the worst case, a solvency crisis, right? Absolutely. But I think, you know, I, I don't know what numbers are floating, at, are floating around out there, but if Binance is having to pa back up billions of consumer deposits, of, of uh, customer deposits there, you know, I can see it, you know, I can see FTX being marked down by by not just, you know, a couple percent or 20% on their last, I think, $32 billion raise, but could be picked up for, you know, single digit billions potentially. Yeah, I mean, look, this could be a, again, we're just speculating, but this could be a yeah. tremendous deal for Binance, right? Because, um, because, you know, asset solvency doesn't mean that, FTX isn't worth a ton of value, right? I mean, just in, in terms of goodwill, in terms of, you know, U.S. market share. Um, also, I mean, look, FTX was Binance's biggest competitor and growing very, very rapidly. Um, and I think making inroads in the United States much, much more, uh, more quickly than Binance. Uh, so, you know, I, I think this could be a tremendous coup for CZ. And if the cost is just... Um, you know, like topping, you know, topping up some some value inside to enable, uh, you know, to enable depositors to withdraw if they want. Which, by the way, um, you know, this news might actually 
you know, sort of reverse the risk of the bank run. So, so in the end, it might not actually be, you know, as necessary for CZ to like come out of pocket as much as like, you know, FTX would have to, uh, in the absence of this news, um, you know, that, that, that just might be a, it, it might, it, it seems like CZ has been playing this game of 4D chess that, that we've, you know, we've just been watching over the last 24 to 48 hours, kind of flooding FTT, um, you know, retweeting, uh, you know, whale alerts about the Alameda, um, movement right. of, of tokens. Um, and then, and then we get the news that CZ is, is, you know, coming to the rescue. It's, it's kind of amazing. Yeah, we rescue in double quotes, right? Depending upon yeah. uh, upon you know the the price paid and all of those other intangible variables that we don't know. Uh, we should probably also point out this story has obviously been a, a, on our radar pretty intensely for the last twenty four hours, but it's been kind of a train wreck in slow motion since Bloomberg did the initial reporting on this uh, sometime in in uh, in mid September, about a month ago, where they reported uh, some of these you know, issues between Alameda and FTX and some of those open questions. Uh, one of the reporters there in the story actually said is the sort of metaphor for helping people understand why this issue matters. Uh, it's, is if, it's as if the New York Stock Exchange and Citadel uh, were, were run by the same company. This idea that you you have this potential uh, conflict of interest in, in and I, I don't think that, I don't know if that phrase was actually used in the article, but that you have this, these challenges uh, with, uh, you know, the, the nature of the ownership of FTX and Alameda itself. And then the story just started to accelerate extremely rapidly uh, in the last 24 hours. I want to just keep going here to jump into the next tweet um, because, uh, Jack, you mentioned uh, the customers. This is a this is a, a single sentence tweet, which is really interesting because I think every other tweet in this thread is multiple sentences. It's tweet three uh, in the Sam Bankman freed screed, and it is, but the important thing is that the customers are protected. You know, that's a really interesting statement to make, right? It's like, if I called you up and I told you, I just need you to know my apartment is not on fire. You would be like, well, well, why would I think your apartment was on fire, right? I mean, obviously, you know, we're, we don't want to read too much between the lines here, but it's a pretty extraordinary statement to have the CEO of Exchange say, but the important thing is the customers are protected. What do you guys think about that? Jump in, Jack. Well, overnight in the U.S., um, I think there was like a 10 or 12 hour period where there were no stable coins exiting uh, FTX wallets. So, you know, there there was a period of time where where FTX was completely illiquid. I'm sure that's the first. And thing just, and just to be clear for mind. people for people to understand that this the implication there is that they were not able uh, they were not able to effectively uh, they were not able to settle those transactions because of challenges that they had with their balance sheet or with the liquidity of their balance sheet. Yep. So yeah, that that's the. I'm sure a lot of customers uh, of FTX uh, are are very concerned about that and. This will hopefully kind of uh, ease some of those direct worries of will I be able to get my deposits off of this platform? Will I be able to continue to trade or, or buy crypto on this platform? And it seems like for now the answer is uh, definitely a lot closer to yes than it was perhaps just uh, an hour or two ago. Jason, what do you make of that extraordinary tweet, customer assets are protected? I mean, I, I think I think it's something he had to say. I, I do think it's somewhat ironic that you know FTX has been on a buying spree um you know including like you know uh Vo you know voyager which which you know didn't protect customers um unfortunately um so uh you know i i think it had to be said i i think um um 
you know, what will like what what would be the alternative for him to be silent and and encourage you know sort of further uh, you know further concern. Yeah, I guess that that is the question. The alternative would have been to leave that line out, I guess, which, and as you say, uh, it almost feels as though he had to say it. I want to move on to the next tweet here. This is number four in the SBF thread. A huge, in asterisks to boldface, thank you to CZ, Binance, and all of our supporters. I mean, this is extraordinary. These guys were literally going <laughs> at each other on Twitter 24 hours ago, and now it's a, a huge thank you uh, to CZ, Binance, and all of our supporters. This is a user-centric development that benefits the entire industry. I'm not sure what that statement means. It sounds a little bit like marketing speak to me. I'm not sure how much substantive value there is in that one. CZ has done and will continue to do an incredible job building out the global crypto ecosystem and creating a freer economic world. I mean, th that that's just a, an unqualified um, show of support for the for the now owner of FTX, or am I reading that wrong? Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. If we look at it, Excuse me. Um, you know, there's probably one institution within crypto. We can talk about institutions outside of crypto that potentially could have come to the rescue for FTX, but there's really one institution within crypto that could save FTX, and that is Binance. So, you know, uh, uh, Sam, Samuel Bankman-Fried has to kind of bow his head to the king right here, and, and the king is CZ, and, and there's no two ways about it. Yeah, that's exactly what I was gonna say. That that's the that's the kiss the ring moment. <laughs> I mean, SPF may have, um, you know, may may have sort of overstepped a bit, and uh, he he you know he woke up the the king, and and uh, you know I, I don't know. It's sort of paying paying the price now. Really fascinating stuff. Uh, so tweet five, I know there have been rumors in media of conflict between our two exchanges. I mean, we actually saw the tweets. I don't know that they were rumors. They were they were really, these were two heavyweight boxers who were exchanging blows. Anyway, I know there, were, uh, there have been rumors in media of conflict between our two exchanges. However, Binance has shown time and again that they are committed to a more decentralized global economy while working to improve industry relations with regulators. We are in the best of hands guys i mean more of the same theme i think from the prior tweet uh but essentially saying you know we're in the best of hands with the company now belongs to them yeah i guess uh you know not your keys not your coins and this can happen to anyone right so ftx looks so so you know dominant right in the summer you know with their purchase of black and and now yeah they're being totally exposed um yeah it's it's absolutely insane right there's there's just no precedent here and uh uh i hope kind of the last domino has fallen with ftx but who knows right they, these liquidity crunches have a have a way of just kind of being one domino after another perhaps the early summer we're, we're just uh, the canaries in the coal mine and there's there's more pain to be seen Something yeah, interesting I, here we should point out, by the way, talking about Canary in the coal mine, uh, Bitcoin has just dropped below 20,000 US dollars, uh, now trading at 19,904. Uh, 
for for most of this conversation, Bitcoin had been above twenty thousand. Uh, Ethereum still above fifteen hundred. These are kind of key psychological levels. Uh, interesting that we have not seen, and maybe this is really uh, a, a point to make about the decentralization of the underlying Bitcoin and Ethereum ecosystems. Uh, not been a huge hit. Uh, looks like down four percent. Uh, on or four percent and change, call it on Bitcoin and Ethereum trailing twenty four hours. These are not huge moves, especially considering the volatility of the space. In some ways, is this an affirmation of the space that you can see this absolute chaos happening uh, with FTX, and yet, and yet, the underlying value of the Bitcoin uh, of, of Bitcoin and Ethereum uh, remains largely intact. Yeah, I think it, Ashley, I think it definitely shows how strong the industry is. And to, you know, to Jack's earlier point here, I, I was going to say, it's just crazy how things turn around so quickly in terms of, you know, at, at one point FTX was seen as this savior for the industry. They were saving, you know, all these exchanges, they were saving BlockFi, there was talks about them doing things with Voyager and Celsius. And and now things have turned on its head, on its head here with this move with Binance. But again, you know, is is this move also with Binance like could be from spreading more contagion? Obviously, if FTX is kind of going down, that could also be another factor that could play into here. And so maybe you know the fact that uh, the market is or the fact that Binance is stepping in is giving the market some security here, and that's why maybe the price hasn't gone down as much as well. Well, first of all, Marco, welcome back. I know we had some technical yeah. problems. We're <laughs> glad to get you back in the conversation. Um, but listen, as you said, and and we've we've sort of stressed throughout this conversation, all of this is is highly speculative. These are events that are, are literally unfolding within the last 90 minutes. Uh, we're trying to get our heads around what it means, just trying to, to give a, a bit of a context on this extraordinary thread that's probably the best direct evidence that we have uh, in terms of uh, coming directly from the horse's mouth, so to speak, in Sam Bankman-Fried's tweet thread. Uh, Marco, any other bigger, broader points that you wanted to make? Well, you know, I just, I, I think the whole thing is, in, in general, I think it's just kind of an interesting story for for the industry as a whole. I would say that with, uh, with you know, this move, obviously, I, I'm not sure what you guys already covered. I'm sure you guys covered a few things like when I, I mean, perhaps maybe I could get like a recap of what you guys covered first. So that way I'm not repeating points here. Uh, but what more or less have you guys discussed so far? Well, we've just been trying to dive in and run through this tweet thread and, and get our heads around it. But talking of which, let's let's just move on and continue to go through this because we, we have yet to hit the sixth uh tweet in the thread, which I think is a really interesting one. Six, And this is this is number six. The entire tweet is in parentheses. Uh, make of that grammatical convention what you will. Note that FTX US and Binance US, two separate companies, are not currently impacted by this. FTX's US withdrawals are and have been live, is fully backed one-to-one -one and operating normally. Well, I thought everything was fully backed one-to-one. -one. I'm, I'm a little confused by that. I mean, this is... This is just a, 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 a sort of fascinating open question. What does this mean uh, that FTX US and Binance US are carved out on this one? Guys, any thoughts? I think two times SBF alludes um, in this tweet thread that perhaps uh, it wasn't just a liquidity crisis and perhaps assets were not backed one to one. And you know, like like the the famous quote goes, if the tide goes out and you're not you're not wearing any swim trunks, you know, you've mm -hmm. gotta make something happen, right? So um I think uh he was really backed against the wall and this tweet kind of uh alludes to that in, in so many yeah. words. 
Yeah, well, you, to your 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 point in in tweet number two, where he says our teams are working on clearing out the withdrawal backlog as is. This will clear out liquidity crunches. All assets will be covered one to one. Will be covered one to one. So it's like if I tell you, you know, hey Marco, I'm going to pay you back that hundred bucks I owe you tomorrow. Then it sort of sounds like I still owe you a hundred bucks, right? Right. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I mean, it was interesting with this, the information that came out last week about Alameda's bank uh, balance sheet, right? There's a lot of tokens. They were backed by a lot of crypto tokens that they had. They had Solana. And this is one of the reasons we saw the Solana price decrease because maybe people think there's some connections to it. So if if you're backed, if you're like your backings are uh, based on crypto tokens, then that makes it kind of a little bit, you know, you're not sure. I mean, when, what happens when crypto falls? You kind of don't have as much uh, uh, you know, to, in your in your balance sheet to support it. So I think that's kind of a interesting point there to bring up. So. By the way, just looking at the screen here, on, on as I said, uh, Bitcoin now looks like off three percent and change, uh, trailing twenty four hours. I'm just looking down the top the top ten coins here. Uh, and to your point, Marco, the only one that's down double digits in the trailing twenty four hour column, at, it looks like as well as the uh, seven day column is uh, is Solana. Yeah. Solana is off. Let me just read through these numbers. Uh, one hour. By the way, did they just add this new one hour column here on CoinMarketCap? I think this one's new. Uh, they're off 12.4% uh, in the last hour, off 16% uh, trailing 24 hours. Trailing seven days, Solana down uh, just a shade under 17%. Real movement on that that we have not seen uh, in Bitcoin and Ethereum. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, who knows if they I'm not sure what the current standing is on the balance sheet for FTX. I mean, they could have maybe sold it in a move, obviously, because even for the earlier on in the in the week, you know, as or at, not just earlier, I mean, just yesterday, you know, we had as they were having issues, I mean, maybe preemptively uh, FTX was selling some of that. It's going to we'll have to find out later on as we get more information. But it could be the case that that's what was happening there. And maybe that's what what um, why we're seeing that that plunge there for Solana. Jack, any thoughts? Yeah, um, obviously a couple interesting coins to watch here. Bitcoin and Ethereum. Uh, for me, it was really shocking. I think uh, Ethereum was up 7% immediately after the announcement. So it's, it's wild that um, things have really permeated the market this far. So, you know, FTX, a, a company that's really relatively small re relative to Bitcoin is kind of moving like the, the one source of price action. It's almost like the exchange coin FTT is leading the rest of the market. So uh, an interesting mm. dynamic to follow nonetheless today. Um, I, I, I would say that there, there's been such a, you know, significant drawdown in, in all crypto in the, the last few months that, you know, it, it could be that, you, you know, we're just, we're just already, you know, sort of hardened against like terrible news. <laughs> like like so some of, you know, some of this news in a sense, may have already been priced in, right? Right. I, I mean, like, you know, ever since you know the the Terra Luna collapse, you, you know, a lot of people have been saying, like, well, what's the next, uh, you know, what's what's the next shoe to fall, right? So um, I'm not I'm not saying that this was at all, you know, predictable, but but I also I'm not that surprised that there hasn't been um, a more significant drawdown in um, in ETH prices. Uh, uh, or, or Bitcoin prices just yet. Uh, I will note um, just uh, again on the on the sort of policy discussion. Um, you know, I, I am concerned that uh, the the aftermath of, of this whole thing will be that the U.S. 
just continues to become sort of less and less relevant in the global crypto discussion. Um, and, and why is that? Is that the idea that essentially that they're going to try and, and move in for investor protection reasons and they're going to want to regulate and restrict when they see this kind of, uh, frankly, disorderly markets happening? Yeah, let's say you're you're a policymaker who you know really doesn't know much about crypto, and what you see is just you know constant turmoil um, in you know these centralized exchange exchanges, and um, you know you frankly don't really know the difference between um, you know centralized finance and decentralized finance. You just see it all as one industry, and it's an industry that's in disarray. And now. You know the the industry is um, basically you know owned by one man, and that one man uh, happens to be uh, Chinese. And you know right now uh, the U.S. is uh, you know a lot of policymakers are you know particularly suspicious of uh, Chinese businesses. Um, you know. I, I think that this can be really, really bad, particularly on the heels of, of you know, uh, very aggressive and, you know, negative, you know, regulatory action in the United States. Let me just read a quote here, uh, and this is a news reporting coming out of Coindesk. Quote, investors had taken out a significant amount of assets from FTX, withdrawing Bitcoin en masse over the last 24 hours, cutting the balance sheet there from about 20,000 Bitcoin to just one on Tuesday morning, just one, according yeah, yeah. to data from CoinGlass. Essentially, you know, what happens when you have a liquidity crunch is you want to sell down the best collateral you have first. Uh, Bitcoin, obviously, uh, considered very strong collateral in this space, clearly much stronger than FTT, if you look at those charts. Um, pretty extraordinary, and also pretty extraordinary that we haven't seen large price movements in Bitcoin, despite the fact that you, this this is uh, you know if this if these numbers are right, twenty thousand Bitcoin being uh, being liquidated to meet uh, these positions. Yeah, absolutely. Go, go ahead, Jason. I felt like you might might want to add something. To that. No, no, no. I I I, I think it's look. I, I mean, the day is still young, so so we'll see what happens. <laughs> But um, but I, I think this could have been much much worse, right? I, I mean, if if this, you know, imagine what the you know next twenty four hour news cycle would have looked like if finance had not come in to save FTX and you know the the sort of crypto Twitter fud had just continued unabated. I, I think um, you know you could have you know you could have had sort of you know a significant bank run and. Um, and, um, may, you know, maybe prices would have looked a lot worse. Well, Jason, let me ask you this. The situation uh, being what it is, uh, the deal appearing uh, based on the information that we have to be uh, currently in motion, what would the next steps be from a legal point of view in terms of the mechanics uh, of how a sale like this gets managed? <laughs> So you shouldn't have brought a tax lawyer on. You should have brought like a, a corporate, you know, M and A lawyer on. You're infinitely uh, more qualified than I am. <laughs> so I, I, I mean, so so you know, FTX is um, a, a huge multinational uh, entity, right? I, I think that they have, uh, you know, they're, they're uh, sort of headquartered in the Bahamas, and they have U.S. subsidiaries, and I assume they have subsidiaries in many other countries. Um, you know, the next step is going to be a uh, very, you know, 
arduous due diligence process probably by the finance team uh, looking into the finances of all of those uh, FTX entities, um, their relationships to Alameda and you know any other uh, entities in the crypto space to determine whether there's uh, potential contagion risk or or any um, you know any sort of problematic. Um, bookkeeping uh, in there, um, and, and you know, simultaneously, the lawyers will get to work on you know drafting uh, you know the relevant sort of acquisition agreements and determining you know which entities are in, which entities are out, uh, and the business people will have to discuss pricing. Right, so uh, all of this sort of happens in parallel. Uh, at any Point, there, there might be an impasse, right? So, so uh, for example, if during the due diligence process something uh, untoward is is discovered, uh, that might, you know, scare off CZ. In which case, we're sort of back to square one. Uh, or if the, you know, if the business people can't, you know, agree on price, I, I imagine that there's some kind of price range set in the LOI. Of course, we haven't seen it, but um, that's a letter of intent. Um, but you know, if if there's uh, you know if something is discovered that you know that you know uh, requires a price adjustment or something, uh, everyone might be back to the drawing board, right? Um, and then similarly, uh, in the discussions of you know which entities are in and out, um, the terms under which Binance acquires the entities, yeah. the uh, the the amount of capitalization Binance yep. would put into those entities, you know, all of these are up for discussion. So right. this, I mean, it sounds like what you're saying is there's still there's still room for some potential challenges here uh, in terms of the due diligence process. I also want to bring Marco, and I know who is uh, following the Twitter feed. Uh, for some reactions. Marco, what's what's happening out there right now? So it looks like uh, Will Clement, uh, you know, he he sent a tweet out. He said, C CZ starves FTX of revenue with 0% trading fees on Binance, attracting volume from FTX. CZ shoots headshot by publicly announcing FTT concerns, causing a bank run on FTX and decline in uh, FTT's price. FTX unable to cover holes in balance sheet. CZ acquires FTX. Thanks for playing. Is what Will Clemente <laughs> said. So. Wow. I mean, do, do you remember a few months ago, CZ tweeted something about um, Uniswap, about Uniswap yeah. uh, you know, claiming that there had been an exploit on Uniswap when clearly it was a phishing attack, not an exploit. Um, I, you know, I've, I've always thought- but Jason, of, tell, tell folks the difference who may not know, because there's a, a material distinction to be made there. Well, well so, so effectively what CZ was suggesting was that um, Uniswap had been hacked in some way, that, that, it had, that the actual Uniswap protocol had been the subject of some kind of attack. Which, which, which had not occurred. Which had not occurred. Um, in fact, I, I don't know. I don't remember the exact details, but it was something about you know uh, holders of LP tokens. I think receiving a um, like a malicious you know airdrop or uh, you know receiving a malicious link or something that you know when they clicked on it ended so it was up. A, it in was a phishing off. attack of the, it was a of phishing the attack. Parks, yeah. Right, and, and um, I, you know I I, I don't. I don't know. I don't know CZ personally, and I, I don't. You know, I, I haven't had the pleasure of doing business with him. But um, it's sort of interesting to see that that he's he's clearly, um, you know, pretty masterful at uh, this kind of, um, you know, th this kind of, uh, you know, ma manipulation to his own ends, right? Um, he 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 was clearly like one step ahead of the game when he started tweeting about FTX. Uh, and FTT and and um, 
this was probably on his mind, right? Um, so, yeah. so you can sort of go back and reread those tweets uh, with hindsight and sort of start wondering, you know, at what point did he think, oh, here's my opportunity to pounce? And it's really, it's really interesting that he waited, right? He waited until um, FTX was was pretty vulnerable. Uh, Sam, Sam Begman Fried has been, uh, you know, excoriated on Twitter uh, by by like uh, DeFi DGens for his uh, recent policy proposals, um, and. Uh, and then, and then the CoinDesk article came out questioning uh, FTX's balance sheet, and CZ I think saw his chance to pounce. By the way, that that is another extraordinary story—the excoriation uh, for the proposal that uh, Sam Bankman-Fried uh, floated out. There, this is a, another aspect of the story that's that's pretty extraordinary, and some news breaking over the weekend uh, about Iran. Uh, using, I believe it was Tron, uh, to move eight billion dollars, and you you sort of go, well, okay, that's the that's the that's the argument that Sam Bankman-Fried was making uh, that the, these are going to be the challenges, and I, I've called this, you know, I, I I was calling this the biggest story in crypto. I'm not sure that's true today, uh, just because of the breaking news <laughs> uh, here for the next 24 hours or so. But this idea that you have, uh, you know, you know, you have OFAC compliance, U.S. sanctions regime compliance, uh, which the federal government takes very, very seriously, uh, probably uh, with a lot more vigorous uh, prosecution than maybe even investor protections. It seems like there's been some regulatory forbearance there uh, to a certain extent. And on the other side of that coin, uh, you have these uh, ideals that are so core to the Ethereum space, for example. Uh, phrases like credible neutrality and censorship resistance, uh, and then I think we brought that story up on screen from uh, from Reuters uh, that broke over the weekend. A pretty uh, extraordinary story: eight billion dollars uh, despite sanctions, uh, as you can read from that headline. Um, and this, of course, is uh, is Binance. Uh, uh, so, I, boy, the intersection, the nexus of all of this stuff—it's—it's just—it's uh, enough to make your brain pop. Absolutely. For sure, I, I you know it's it's interesting. You know, a lot of people were um, sort of positing that uh, SBF's position on his you know policy proposals is, is sort of you know his, his ambition was to effectively cause all of DeFi in the U.S. to be illegal, except when done through an exchange such as mm. FTX, right? Um, the, because one one of his proposals, and by the way. For what it's worth, I, I I actually give him props for you know providing what I I thought was you, you know a, a starting off point for discussion. Like I, I don't I don't and and you know appearing on the Bankless podcast for example to discuss it um, with with Eric Voorhees who was arguing with the, Eric Voorhees um, position yeah right and, and I happen you know I happen to align more with Eric than with Sam on on the points, but I, I still think that. Um, you know, discussion is really important. Uh, so, so you know, I'm, I, I don't want to criticize. I'm not criticizing Sam for for doing this, but but I will note that you know one one of the criticisms of his proposals was that he suggested that front ends be regulated, right? So so that um, you know a website uh, hosted in the U.S. would be required, for example, to uh, conduct AML KYC on anyone, and and you know the effect of that would be that like really no no one no one would be able to spin up a web uh, us front end other than someone with massive resources to uh, yeah. obtain a license to do so and that someone yeah. presumably would be ftx right so it's right. it's it's really you know yeah. it's really the interesting third. now like um we'll see how that plays out now with finance right um 
At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Yeah, a fair amount of open uh, questions out there. Marco, uh, other Twitter reactions, what else are you seeing? So this one's from Eric Newcomer. He's saying Sequoia invested in a $420 million round in FTX at a $25 billion valuation in October 2021. And a consortium with Paradigm invested $400 million at a $32 billion uh, valuation in January 2022. And now it's selling in a fire sale. This is truly a crazy event in startup world, dot-com bus level event. I want to get I want to get uh, Jack's view on that, but first I just want to uh, talk a little bit here, very briefly uh, about FTT now trading at twelve dollars fifty six cents. I'm looking at this chart uh, over one year, uh, down from a high of around uh, sixty five. That's like an eighty plus percent drop. It's it's hideous. So Jack, rea- reactions on <laughs> uh, on FTT and uh, and the tweet uh, that Marco just read. Yeah. Um... I've been following uh, the FTT price in a little window over here, and it's interesting. The announcement brought it up back almost to the 22, you know, the the famous $22 price level, and now we've just like fallen off a cliff again. I wonder what's triggering that that price action. You know, sometimes it feels like a price action uh, is a little bit ahead of the news. So I don't, I have no idea what's happening, but people seem to be not particularly bullish on the on the FTT token. Um, as far as the tweet, yeah, oh, it's absolutely insane, you know? And and you look at institutions like Paradigm, I know they have something like a couple, one billion or two billion to deploy, right? They can raise, FTX can raise a little round for, you know, a little round, right? For, for $400 million, but they're not gonna cover their, you know, they're not gonna get acquired for $8 billion. As I kind of mentioned previously, there's about one institution in crypto that can do that, and it's Binance. And uh, yeah, we're seeing it play out. So, uh, you know, a really powerful, maybe even a powerful message to the space, right? About about who is the king, who is number one. And and sometimes, sometimes uh, especially in the US, we forget it. Hey, Jack, let me ask you this. Talking of people in the space who are well-positioned, who must be watching this, what's Brian Armstrong thinking over at, at Coinbase right now? Yeah, well, uh, Coinbase is interesting, right? Because we've seen Binance and FTX uh, really kind of battle it out over perpetual futures, the kind of most profitable leverage trading tool in the space. Um, so now it, there really is no, you know, second option for uh, for perps, right? I, I can't really think of one. You know, we've got Bybit, OK Exchange you know, some of these kind of second tier exchanges, but, but Coinbase kind of famously, famously doesn't launch, doesn't service perpetual future contracts, right? So perhaps we'll see volume even go to decentralized per- perpetual exchanges, right? So that's interesting, but it seems like Coinbase could, it could be kind of at a, in an opportune situation to um, leverage themselves as kind of a dominant player, at least in the US, right? Uh, their biggest competitor has been completely wiped out and, and it doesn't appear that the U.S. is going to be particularly friendly towards Binance. We'll see how that plays out, but Coinbase is certainly in the driver's seat for now, dominant U.S.-based exchange, right? 
Yeah. So let's go around the horn here uh, and get some final thoughts on this story. I know Marco uh, wants to talk about library as well. Lots of stuff happening in the space. Uh, Jason, final thoughts on FTX, where we are. Obviously, extraordinary day. Uh, how do you how do you sort of put a ribbon around this? Um, I mean, my my mind is still blown. I, I think we you know we have to wait and see. We have to wait and see what happens. Um, I think that uh, you know a uh, you know, today today's uh, global king has been crowned, but uh, it's a real Game of Thrones in crypto. So, um, you know, wait 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 another month or two, and uh, you know, maybe we'll have a new king. Hey, important point here that this is obviously this is breaking, and we're we're just going through it as best we can uh, with the information that we have on hand. Uh, but I should say, uh, and to follow up on Jack's point, it looks like uh, it looks like uh, F FTT is now below twelve bucks. And if I'm looking uh, here on the intraday chart; it's it's just a leg straight down uh, for the last. Um, uh, it, it's not been a good twenty five minutes in trading here. Uh, well, you, I mean, you you have to ask like what what what. A role does FTT play in the future, if if any, right? I, I don't think FTT is offered uh, to U.S. people. I, I think um, there there are securities law issues with with offering FTT in the U.S. So I, I think it's it's like an international FTX offering. And if you know non-U.S. FTX is now part of Binance, I'm not sure what your role FTT has anymore in that ecosystem. Well, Jason, it looks like traders and investors are asking themselves that question right now as we see the price continuing to fall. Right. Um, if we look at the kind of fully diluted valuation of the FTX token, or sorry, FTT token, it's still sitting at about a $5 billion fully diluted valuation. You know, if you're doing the math around what... What, what, what is that of, full full dilution uh, value uh, equivalent to versus the, the network value or market cap? Sure. So fully diluted value is kind of all the tokens in existence promised to, to all investors who, you know, have some stake or investment. So it's, it's all the tokens that could possibly exist. Right. But, you know, it's still a meaningful number because it's those... it, just looking at it, that the to interrupt here, but the fully diluted market cap uh, is roughly, uh, it looks like three and a half X uh, the, the market cap, the market cap is uh, on, on FTT now it looks like about uh one and a half, one and a half billion. Is that right? One and a half billion, and the fully diluted market cap, as you say, is is five point four. Right. So um, I know that's on the balance. A lot of the FTT token is on the balance sheets of both FTX Exchange and uh, Alameda Research. But um, you still got to ask yourself, right? What is the purchase price uh, that Binance is going to acquire FTX for? Right. What is the what is the role that token is going to play in that acquisition? Right. And if so, you know, if the token is part of it, what is the kind of valuation that Binance is going to, you know, either buy out that token for or, you know, dismantle the token for, right? So um, it's hard to believe that, you know, it's going to continue at this $5 billion fully diluted valuation, especially when it's conceivable that Binance might have bought out FTX for like a $5 billion to $8 billion or $10 billion valuation. I don't know. Those are some of the numbers I'm playing around with my with in my head right now. But right. I think you know who knows who knows what's going to happen to FTT and um, uh, yeah, it yeah. could be more bad news. Who knows? And to your point, and to Jason's point, oh, and what are the claims on cash flows that FTT token represents in the in the post um, in the post CZ buyout era? 
at uh, at 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 FTX? I mean, open question. Right. Yeah. Um, I know, you know, previously it's been a representative of some of the exchange fees at FTX. Now there are potentially no exchange fees at FTX, right? right? So and those, you know. and those tokens represented also, they were the ability to, to get a discount on the, on those fees. Right. And they were also probably presumably in some way tied to them from a revenue perspective and also a utility discount, uh, confusing before this buyout and after the buyout, uh, really kind of baffling right you've got to ask yourself where is the bid coming from here you know right. who is trying to pick up a discount token for trading on ftx i'm not who's trying to purchase equity in ftx uh i i can't think of a single kind of institutional investor who's, who's curious about that right now so uh yeah it's a it's a, a lot of questions specifically around the ftt token and then some implications there for alameda research you know the sister company of FTX, right? Hey, we haven't talked about that yet. Where do you think Alameda Research stands in this? Uh, it's it's obviously been less transparent than FTX, uh, which isn't terribly transparent itself. What does this mean for Alameda and Sam Bankman-Fried's role there? I'd be surprised if Alameda Research weathers the storm here. We had that look at the balance sheet, you know, about a week ago and with all these kind of crypto and they're holding loans. FTT tokens. We know right, that they're holding that's right. FTT and Solana, right? Which are the two worst performers, I think right now of the top 50 over the last 24 hours. So, uh, it looks like it's bad and, and getting to worse, right? As far as I've heard, you know, CZ is probably not particularly interested in a prop trading firm right now, especially one in distress, such as Alameda research. So, uh, yeah, could be a lot of damage on that side as well. Yeah, plus he's also plunked down a pretty considerable amount of cash uh, right now, uh, we would have to expect uh, on FTX. Jack, some final thoughts. I know we've been talking about this for a while, but I wanted to give you a chance to just bring your ideas together uh, in terms of big picture, where you think we are uh, as we head into the one o'clock hour Eastern time on this story. Sure, obviously one of the craziest events, you know, it calls, uh calls to mind some of the events in the spring, such as the, the Luna collapse, right, which probably took out uh, a comparable amount of value from the ecosystem. Um, what I'm really thinking about going forwards is, 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 this an, is this indicative of, you know, we've got further down to go, that there are further dominoes to collapse, or is this kind of a bottom signal for the space? I know which one I'm hoping for, but it, it definitely remains to be seen. Marco, I know we've got another big story here. Uh, it seems like everything pales in comparison today to this one, uh, but this is an interesting story from the legal perspective. Uh, what's happening with the library token? Yeah, so the library recently lost their battle against the SEC, uh, and this is kind of important because obviously what it could be setting a precedent for the crypto industry. So in March of 2021, the Securities and Exchange Commission charged library for selling unregistered securities, alleging that its native LBC token were securities and therefore the startup violated securities laws by selling them. Library, of course, pushed back on those claims, but on Monday, New Hampshire federal judge Paul, Paul Barbadoro ruled in favor of the SEC. Uh, Jeremy Kaufman, who is Library's founder and CEO, he said that the SEC versus Library case establishes a precedent that threatens the entire U.S. cryptocurrency industry. 
Under the SEC versus library standard, almost every cryptocurrency, including Ethereum and Doge, are securities. And those are, you know, some pretty ominous words there because if that turns out to be the case, it would be a tough blow to the industry in a day where we're getting another possibly potentially tough blow where you haven't even fully seen, you know, what is going to happen with the rest of this uh, Binance FTX story. So, and then as, as well, we have this ongoing case with Ripple and this could impact that. So, you know, we're here to, you know, to ask Jason his thoughts about this. Jason, what, what do you make of that story? Yeah. So, so again, you know, I'm a, I'm a tax lawyer, not a securities lawyer, but I, I, uh, I know enough to be dangerous. Um, so uh, re remember that the, the, um, the determination of whether something is a security under you know, U.S. securities law is really, really important for crypto, right? Because if, if a crypto asset is a security, then, you know, technically, like, it can't be sold to U.S. people um, so, uh, without, you know, without, like filing registration statements and a bunch of stuff that that just is is impracticable in in you know most of the crypto sphere. Uh, the determination of whether something is a security is um, made under this test called the Howey test, uh, which is a really old test dealing with orange groves. Um, and and basically the Howey test is something is a security if it's an investment of money uh, in a common enterprise with a reasonable expectation of profits to be derived uh, primarily from the investment of, or from the efforts of others, okay? So investment of money, common enterprise, uh, expectation of profits from the efforts of others. Now, um, the only issue that was, uh, the only thing that was at issue here was um, expectation of profit from the efforts of others, okay? So, so for some reason, and, and I'm not, sure why the posture here was basically library said okay, okay like we concede the other points we concede that there was an investment of money we concede that there was a uh, common enterprise um, but we don't believe that there was a reasonable expectation of profits uh, from the investment of others and what the court said was i think really 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 problematic um number one um the court basically said uh in response to libraries claim that like, look, this token has utility. Um, so there were lots of people who were buying it to actually use it because library is like a, a you know, a decentralized data storage and sharing um, uh, ecosystem. Um, and the judge said, um, nothing in the case law suggests that a token with both consumptive and speculative use cases uh, cannot be uh, an investment contract, a security under that. Jason, let me just to, to clarify on that point because it's an important one. Does that essentially mean that the idea of a utility token in this judge's view simply doesn't exist if there's no distinction between consumptive and speculative value? Does that essentially say, writ large, hey, utility token, that's not a thing? Yeah, I, I think it does because, because there's no such thing as a, well, I shouldn't say that, but the vast majority of tokens are not solely consumptive, right? Like, like the whole kind of purpose of tokens is to build um, like a, a, you know, sort of digital commons, right? An, an ecosystem as we keep, you know, as we keep saying that it's like the most overused term in, in, in the crypto world, but, but it's true. And, and in order to build an ecosystem, you need this kind of flywheel where, you know, people are buying uh, for consumptive use cases, but all people are also buying because they think that the price is going to go up. Right, and in this judge's view, um, if you have that latter, it doesn't matter that you have the former. It doesn't matter that some people are buying for consumption um, if others are buying uh, for speculation. And then, right. you know, to add 
insult to injury or, or you know to sort of um you know bring 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 the whole thing home the the judge also said oh and by the way even if the um core team had never promoted the token even if they said nothing the fact that there was a pre-mine the fact that they like held some of the tokens for themselves um is enough to establish that people who bought the tokens had an expectation of profit and talk about why this idea of a pre-mine is so important in establishing this precedent. Well, I, I, why why it's dangerous or why why it's I, I mean well, I, why I think why it's dangerous or problematic, but really what what it is the, about a pre-mine and and why that's important for us to understand. Well, so so basically, I, I think the judge's rationale was look like clearly there was um, this. Uh, Clearly, there there was this implied statement by the founding team that they expected the token price to go up because they were comfortable. Oh, I think we may have lost Jason. Oh, oh, can you can you hear me? You're back. You're back. Okay. Oh no, the most important. I, I said everything that you needed to hear. Um, <laughs> so so the the basically what the judge was saying was any reasonable person looking at this set of facts. Um, would understand that the founders um, were sending a message that there was an expectation that the price would go up because they were compensating themselves by holding on to, you know, a, a, a slug of the tokens. So yeah, now for what it's worth, this was dicta, right? Because in fact, the judge found that um, that the, the the founders did in fact make statements on you know Twitter and Discord about you know building great things and you know a flywheel effect that would cause the token price to go up. So you know the, the judge did say like look they did promote this as a you know for its speculative use cases. Right. But the judge also said like by the way even if they didn't. I would still say there was an expectation of profit because any reasonable person seeing a pre-mine would think that there, you know, would, would have an expectation. Well, of you profit. know, what this really speaks directly to, uh, and I think is important to, for people to understand, uh, is the is the the question of how applicable this is uh, to other projects uh, and how likely it is that this will be overturned on appeal or that similar cases might be overturned on appeal. In other words, is it specific to this? Important to point out. Uh, that Ethereum had a significant pre-mine, I think 72 million uh, tokens back in 2014. Uh, so this idea of a pre-mine, this question of utility, seems as though it has broader applicability, a broader question at least, uh, in the space. Yeah, so, so right. It, it's important to make, you know, to, to offer a few caveats, okay? Um, I think this is a, you know, terrible precedent. Um, so I don't want to, you know, I, I don't want to detract from that statement. But... In the same breath, I, I will say, like, this is one judge's opinion, right, right. Uh, in New Hampshire. This doesn't mean that, like, tokens are dead in the U.S. Like, we still have, we still have battles to fight. Um, uh, we have... By the way, one of the battles we're fighting right now is the bottom seems to be falling out of Solana, uh, down below 25 bucks. Uh, it's just, it's just looking on the intraday chart is hideous. Uh, just, and the just, volume... And the volume of this of of the sell off uh, is uh, is is rising pretty dramatically on volume here. 
just um, you know, uh, study and analyze the law so you don't have to look at you know charts because it's too depressing. <laughs> um, it's, so, so send the angry Twitter uh, tweets uh, to uh, Jason on that. <laughs> um, uh, so, so in in Ripple, uh, for example, which which is in a different you know a, a different um, uh, uh, court, right? Um, the the the, um, the, the uh, Ripple has not conceded the uh, existence of a common enterprise. So, so for whatever reason, I, in I other don't, words, they're still disputing that specific prong of the disputing. Howey test. They're still saying, "Hey, this is not a common enterprise." Yeah, and it's worth noting that, like the SEC's argument for a common enterprise, um, I, I personally, again, I'm, I'm not a securities lawyer, um, but but I personally think it's a pretty weak argument. The SEC is basically saying that the common enterprise in Ripple is Ripple itself, which is you know sort of interesting because um, that that turns the Howey test, which is a three prong test into a two-pronged test. Because if, if Ripple itself is both the investment of money and the common enterprise, then basically what the SEC is saying is that any investment of money with the expectation of profit from efforts of others is a security. And, and that, that's sort of, you know, that, that's really not what Howie says. Howie says there has to be a common enterprise. Um, so as the SEC seems to be trying to write out the common enterprise, you know, requirement of, you know, out of the Howey test, and um, you know, we'll we'll see what the judge in, in the Ripple case thinks of that. So um, one imagines look, it, it will, at very least, be vigorously challenged in court. Yeah. So, so look, this this case might be appealed. The Ripple case, you know, might end up different. Um, but you know, I will say, like this, you know, this is terrible precedent. It's um, you know another indication to me, and I'm editorializing here that uh, the the U.S. is falling behind um in uh you know the, the the sort of efforts to retain uh technological primacy vis-a-vis -vis the rest of the world because hey guys we got some real motion happening in price action right now bitcoin below nineteen thousand, ethereum below 1400 uh this is just obviously happening here within in the last couple of minutes significant significant downward momentum uh, we remarked earlier in the show that we had not seen that. Uh, we're seeing it right now. Ethereum off uh, in the last hour about eight and a half percent. Wow. Yikes. <laughs> All right. Never, never a dull day in crypto. No. <clears throat> Marco, any thoughts uh, that you want to add? I know you follow price action quite closely. Well, uh, you know, every time that I'm on uh, with more, it's Morris mentions like, hey, we're not seeing a move. We saw that quick uh, tick up. Uh, I'm sure that maybe some uh, some vol traders are going to be really happy, right? Because that means that the uh, the volatility should be increasing. So maybe there's a the potential to kind of see something else happen. But uh, yeah, I mean, this is just uh, this is kind of this is kind of brutal. I mean, is this going to maybe potentially be the leg lower that everyone's been looking for? It could be, and I think. Uh, but in any case, I think that uh, that us getting closer to a bottom and like a bottom forming is good for the for for you know for the industry. It's good for everybody because as you know, as as we start to be in this type of space in this in this uh, as we're in this area where people can accumulate, I think that's a it's a good place uh, for people to kind of think about you know what are their their uh, what type of 
how are they thinking about the the tokens long term? You know, and if and if this is if you believe in Bitcoin long term, this might be a a, a good opportunity to to you know buy in. And if you have uh you know if if you uh, on this volatility on these news kind of days where the price is dropping like this. Ethereum now below fourteen hundred, uh, off uh, more than nine percent uh, in the, in the last one hour. So things obviously moving very quickly. Uh, gentlemen, unfortunately, we're going to have to leave it here. I think it's been a marathon session. Fantastic conversation. Jack, Jason, fantastic to have you on the show. We'll have to have you both back soon. I can't promise that the day is going to be this eventful, uh, but it was an extraordinary conversation here on this extraordinary day. Uh, and Marco, fantastic to have you with us. Always a pleasure to be on camera doing these shows with you, man. Yeah, sorry about the tech issues. I mean, I, I, my computer was having all types of things with the microphone, so I appreciate you for for taking, uh, you know, over in terms of the, uh, the conversation flow, Ash. I'm just glad we got you in. Look, obviously, there's a lot to follow on this story. We're going to be on it on Real Vision Crypto Daily Briefing. We're going to be on it on Real Vision Twitter. Lots happening here. This is the kind of coverage uh, that we have spun up this show to bring you. Uh, stay safe out there, everybody. Have a good day.